In T-minus three, two, one, we begin the fun. Touring our way through the NBA from that big, big apple to the place by the bay. Is your mind buckled in? Cause it's time to begin. Seiko and his friends are doing it again. The Hang Time Podcast is the spot, so sit back, relax, cause the show's about to drop. Welcome into another edition of the Hang Time Podcast. My favorite edition so far. Uh, Seiko Smith here in Atlanta with a round table of experts from NBA.com. My main man, John Schumann, Sean Powell, and Michael C. Wright are joining me on this episode of the podcast. This is a big day. Um, since March 11th, basketball has, has been at a standstill. But there was a Board of Governors vote today ratifying a return plan for the 2019-2020 season. 22 teams in Orlando starting July 31st. We're getting not only basketball back, we're gonna get some regular season basketball. We might get some play-in basketball. We'll get some playoff basketball. Uh, and we're gonna get a champion crown. Uh, now health and safety are of the utmost importance, obviously. Uh, and, and we'll get into that as well. But with that said, fellas, welcome. Glad to have you back. Glad to have basketball back. Um, and, and right off the bat, and, and Mike Wright, we'll start with you. Do you like, love, or something else, this restart plan? I'm going to go with something else just because, <laughs> just because of the uncertainty of it all. Now, having said that, I was, uh, I guess you could consider something else as far as the NBA All-Star game format. You know, I didn't know what to make of that when they announced it. And then the next thing you know, I mean, it was like the, the greatest thing since sliced bread. So, you know, I will say this. From what I know of Adam Silver and the NBA as a whole, they don't typically get these things wrong. And so they built a lot of credibility as far as I'm concerned, you know, in terms of, you know, me thinking – that they're going to handle this the right way. And they, they haven't proven me wrong yet. And so I'm expecting it to probably be better than what we might anticipate at this very moment. Right. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I was so starved of hoops. I didn't really care what the format was. I just wanted it back. Um, Stu, what about you? I, I, we've talked a lot throughout the, the break here about what might happen, what should happen. How do you feel now that it's official? Well, First of all, before saying it's official, like I don't think that this announcement is a green light, right? Like the light isn't green to say, yep, we're playing basketball. This has definitely happened. And I'm glad that the league um, included the appropriate language as far as testing and, you know, if this, if things can go forward on July 31st, that's the tentative date we're projecting. So I'm glad that was included in it because mm -hmm. I think there's still some hurdles to clear as far as. Um, getting everybody in one place and playing basketball again. Um, as far as the format itself, um, I will say that uh, 20 teams should should have been the number instead of 22. I mean, Washington is 24 and 40. Uh, sorry, you don't belong. <laughs> Phoenix 20, 26 and 39. That's right. a little bit better, but given all the teams in front of them in the Western Conference standings, sorry, Phoenix, you're out. Um, uh, my friend Kevin Pelton from ESPN ran like 500 simulations of what it could be, what the thing, and in, in one of those 500, Phoenix made it to the play-in game as the nine, as the nine seed in the West. In one so of the say, 500. So you're saying there's a chance then? No, I'm saying they, they <laughs> do not. So, so, so that's, that's my one qualm with it, like as far as this thing. I, I, I get wanting to include Portland and New Orleans because of like all the math that happened that was going on at before the season was suspended. Those mm -hmm. teams had a decent shot at making the playoffs. Um, I don't get the Phoenix and Washington inclusions at all, basically. Mm -hmm. So um, because I guess because I think the fewer teams you have, the less of a chance that something wrong happens. Right. And right. and and yes, there's not a big difference between 20 and 22 but it's the same thing as washing your hands for 15 seconds versus washing your hands for 20 seconds. Like every little bit counts. Right. Um, and so that's, that's sort of my uh, issue with it. Okay. Sean, I, you, I know you've been uh, off of social media. You've been on uh, what is it? 
what does LeBron call it when he goes on his social media blackout? Um, so you you li- you liking this or not? You liking this format or no? Uh, yeah. Is it 2020 yet? Because I'm still stuck in 2019. <laughs> I mean, I haven't been on social media. I don't even know what's going on. But no. Uh, I think this is a compromise, basically. If you're Adam Silver, you have to kind of take care of 30, you know, owners, 30 teams that want in in some way, shape, or fashion. And I, I don't think it would have been possible to invite all 30 teams. I'm happy he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And it probably wouldn't have been fair to just invite the top 16 teams, eight in each conference, because it, particularly in the West, I agree with Schumann, you know, I, I think the East should have just had eight teams. But in the West, you had some teams with, with a reasonable shot. And I also think the NBA wanted to have some regular season drama, if we want to call this continuation of regular season, before you meet the playoffs, because you still have uh, two, maybe three intriguing teams. Number one, the Spurs. I think they've made the playoffs since before Michael Wright was born. So, uh, you know, they, they, they wanted to try to continue that. Right. Uh, number two, you have the Pelicans and Zion Williamson. And I think if you poll basketball fans, I think basketball fans would rather have New Orleans as the eighth seed instead of Memphis. And no offense to the great people of Memphis and that scrappy team uh, that they have there, but uh, the Pelicans was, you know, they sort of were surfing a little bit of wave there in, in the post all-star period and Zion was healthy and it looked like they were going to make a move. And then you have the, the Portland Trailblazers, the team that went to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, was, was it last year, right? Um, yes, yeah. it did. Yeah. So, and, you know, you have Damian Lillard, who is a postseason uh, marvel, and also that team might even get, you know, pretty healthy. So, uh, obviously, you wanted to give them a shot at the playoffs, too. So, I think it was a compromise. Is it the perfect solution? No. But here in the year 2020, I asked you three, is there anything perfect? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no. no. And, and, and listen, fellas, that's, that's the one part about this that I, throughout the course of these months where we've had no, no basketball, really no live sports that have piqued my interest. No offense to the, these folks doing NASCAR and no offense to anybody doing, you know, uh, playing video games, whatever, all this other stuff, UFC, without – basketball this time of year um like i've I've been at a loss for like just a equilibrium my schedule knowing where i'm supposed to be this i didn't realize that the the start of the nba finals was supposed to be today um uh, matt weiner our colleague at nba tv tweeted out this morning i wanted to take my phone and throw it across the room just thinking about um so i'm i'm I'm, it's a bittersweet day because we should be you know, diving into a finals matchup. And instead, we're getting the word that, Shu, you mentioned a tentative plan to restart the season. Um, so with that said, Shu, what's your biggest concern uh, about the timetable and how we move forward as far as next week, where the details are going to be fleshed out for us by, you know, Commissioner Adam Silver and whoever else speaks? Um, and and are you concerned? I mean, you sounded a little bit skeptical that you even think this is actually going to happen. Well, I, I'm not. I don't know about skeptical, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's a. There's a 100 percent chance that it's going to happen as as uh, yeah. as drawn out. I think it's, it, that that's fairly obvious. I mean, Florida uh, case uh, COVID cases in Florida are increasing right now as we speak. So. Um, that has to be taken into account. And obviously um, the logistics of it uh, are not simple. So um, and it's nothing like anything that's ever happened uh, in the NBA before. So, um, but I'm, like I said, I'm glad that the league sort of spelled that out in its, in its press release. Um, as far as like the table, the timetable itself, like, I think there's concern on the back end of it because there's not going to be much time between the end of the finals and opening of training camps for the 2021 season. Um, 
but if you have if you complain about that you have to realize that the time from March 12th to whenever these training camps open in mid July uh is actually longer than the time between the end of the finals and the start of training camps in a normal uh year so like yes they're not going to have much time whoever whatever teams make it to the finals are not going to have much time between that and the opening of training camps for next season, but they've already had about four months uh, off right now. So it's a, it's a give and a take in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean, do you have more logistical concerns or do you have more uh, concerns in terms of the, the competition itself? Like the, because of the circumstances, we won't have the same essence of competition we normally have in a playoff set. Yeah. Um, I am concerned about the, uh, the scheduling of the quote unquote rest of the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some teams, if you looked at their remaining schedule, it was pretty easy. Other teams looked at their remaining schedule it was pretty hard. I'm not sure how you can restack that deck and make it fair. Uh, you you might end up punishing some teams and rewarding others. And, uh, you know, we we still don't know how that's going to fall. So I will withhold judgment until I see how that's going to happen. The other thing, and this one is quite obvious, is the lack of home court advantage. You know, you have a team like the Bucks, the Lakers, played hard all year long, you know, they're leading the, the conference. Milwaukee, for sure, will probably wind up with the best record in the East. The Lakers pretty much in the West. I guess they have a five-and-a-half game lead on the Clippers. But how are those teams going to be rewarded for that here when there's no, you know, there's no home court advantage? Everything's on a neutral site. Uh, now, you know, we've all, we've heard all sort of, gimmicky things being tossed about, you know, extra timeout, extra foul, all that stuff. You don't really want to tinker with the game, uh, but it's, you know, are you going to recede uh, that way? Uh, you know, a team like the Lakers and the Bucks will always play the lesser seed every round. I don't know how, I just don't know how that, how, how all that's going to fall. So I'll be very curious uh, to hear additional details from the league and just in terms of, how they navigate, you know, those two tricky parts of uh, of what's upcoming. Yeah, Mike, the, I, I I had initial concerns just from a medical standpoint. You know, my thinking was, how do you make this safe enough, you know, for everybody involved? But you couldn't even begin a a, a restart plan without the health and safety being number one. So, what what would be your biggest concern with with the league? coming up with this date and this tentative schedule to come back. Exactly what you said, Seku. I mean, like I was kind of checking it out this morning. I mean, and Shu and mentioned it. You're talking about 1,419 new COVID-19 cases in Florida. That was announced by the right. Department of Health. And that's the most since they started giving, you know, daily updates, you know, going all the way back to March. And, you know, let's not be – let's not be blind to what's going on in the country. I mean, you know, you've got the large gatherings of people. And so, you know, just logical, you know, logic would dictate that there's probably going to be some type of spike. Okay. Um, If you're putting this in a bubble environment, then, you know, what exactly does that look like at this point? You know, and again, I have all the confidence in the world in the NBA to do the right thing as far as how they handle that situation. But, you know, even, you know, if you're in that, in that setting for a couple of months, don't you have to get outside of that bubble every once in a while? And, you know, that could potentially expose you to other people because you also have to look at, you know, Disney World. Disney World is reopening on July 11th. And I believe they're calling all the workers back right now. And, you know, that workforce is in the thousands right now. And so, you know, that that would be the biggest thing. You know, obviously I know that the NBA has the – you know, they have the resources to test daily. You know, they have the resources to make sure everybody gets the best treatment possible. But, you know, even looking at that, you know, just think of, of like maybe someone, you know, one of the stars on one of these teams and say they end up contracting the virus and then they have to be quarantined. 
now those teams are at a huge disadvantage. And so to me, I mean, there, there are a lot of things that sort of affect other aspects of bringing back the league at this point. So I don't know, man. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I'd like to see the details. And I'm sure all of you guys feel the same way. I just want to see what the details are, exactly how they're going to do this. Yeah, no question. No question. Um, Sean, you brought up a very interesting word in, in your response. Fair. What's fair? And I'm looking at these teams, these, these, these other eight teams that basically got told to kick rocks for the rest of the year. I mean, <laughs> go, you know, like, go, go ahead and do your one, two, three Cancun and hit, hit the offseason. Only you can't go anywhere. Like, this, it's not a typical offseason for anybody uh, that's going to be dealing with this. And certainly not for the eight teams who don't even get to make a trip to Orlando to compete. Is is it fair, Sean, to leave those eight teams out, or should they have, should should we not concern ourselves with the the quote unquote fairness of how this plays out? Uh, I don't think we should shed much tears <laughs> for the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Atlanta Hawks, Detroit Pistons, the Knicks, even the Bulls, Hornets. Look, I mean, before all this hit, I think they revealed themselves. They revealed themselves being lottery teams and I bet you if you put their hand on the Bible I think they say you know what we're good with this we're good with this because there's there's really nothing for them nothing to be gained I mean realistically nothing to be gained for you know the Cleveland Cavaliers I mean these are teams that would probably be best served uh, going back into the lottery you know going back to that podium oh and, and by the way we'll see them We'll just see them at the draft lottery. You know, they're not going to be excluded. You know, the, the, the NBA is all about inclusion. Let's get it right. So they'll have a they'll have a seat at the table, just not at the big boy table. Right. right. Shoe, do you uh, do you shed any tears whatsoever for Vince Carter and these and other people? You know, other people who were in the midst of whatever they were doing this season. Some of these guys on these bad teams. We're, we're having special seasons, but but it's over. I mean, do you do you agree with Sean that you know you had enough time to show us who you were? I mean, it stinks that yeah, the younger teams, even Cleveland, Atlanta, um, Minnesota, having just sort of acquired uh, or just sort of reshuffled their roster, that those teams don't get those last fifteen to eighteen games to play but I mean the whole everything that's going on right now stinks and so there's nothing and the priority obviously is one public health and two uh you know continuing this season with the teams that are were competitive so yeah you, you it stinks that um you know those teams can't have the rest of their seasons to uh whether it is you know give their young guys some reps or build chemistry, say the Warriors could have had Stephen Curry and Andrew Wiggins play together for another 15 games. That would have been nice. Um, but like, it's, it's the same, same situation, just going out in the general public. I mean, it's really stinks for 2020 graduates that they don't get to have their normal graduation ceremony, but you know, we're all sort of suffering in, in some ways or in one way or another um, in, in, for the sake of, of, you know, the health of, everybody around us. So that's, that's, that is what it, it is, what it is. Um, I think that the more interesting questions get to be like, okay, which of the teams that are going sort of suffer the most from this format? Mm -hmm. do you, I mean, do you think there's a, I mean, everybody is talking about just wanting to compete and wanting to get basketball back. I mean, do you think there's a competitive disadvantage for those teams maybe that have to go and, and make a short stay in Orlando and then they're thrown into an off season that nobody's really prepared for. I, I talked to a GM two weeks ago and I asked him about their draft prep. Like, what are they doing with all their normal draft preparation? He was like, do you understand our staff, our staff is scattered across the country. Nobody's, this was before they let, you know, people back in the building. And he was like, we don't have our normal anything. Everything is in disarray. I mean, Mike, does that make sense to you? 
I man, Sue said it best. It stinks right now, but you know, you you have to make the 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 best out of the situation. I mean, I was you know talk. I talked to people with the Spurs, obviously, and they still haven't even opened the building yet for people yeah. to you know come out there and work out. So, man, you know, and they're one of the teams that's invited to this. So, how does that look for them? They haven't even come back in there to shoot or anything. So, you know, yes. Some teams are going to be at a competitive advantage, but at the same time, you know, you'll sort of see, you know, which which team sort of, you know, rise to the top and, and you know, because, you know, like say a team like Portland, for instance, you know, they've got all these veterans that they're getting their bigs back. Okay, well, you know what? They could probably make a legit run at this thing for that eighth seed. And so, you know, like, that you're going to see those types of dynamics play out with each of those 22 teams that will be out there in Orlando. And, you know, I think that just that aspect of it is compelling enough to draw the fans in, to draw us in. And I think it's still going to be exciting basketball, but like, like everybody is saying, you know, it's life is different right, right now. And, you know, they're like, every team is, is pretty much operating differently right. than, than, they're used to so i'm actually interested to see how it all plays out yeah i'm well look let me put it to you let's let's i'm gonna reframe this for everybody let's let's put aside our concerns right now for the moment and just kind of dive in on theoretically how these this thing works out and you look at i I need from everybody and and sean we'll start with you give me the player and team specifically just that one player and that one team that you think benefits the most from the format of the 22 teams that will be assembling theoretically in Orlando, who, who has the most to gain or benefit from what we might see in the restart? Well, I can't really pinpoint any of of the top 16 teams because they're pretty much, I guess, you know, again, we can quibble with the Memphis Grizzlies, but they're pretty much set. I would say if you're looking at a team or a player with the most to gain, it's probably a team that had caught fire and was honing in on a potential playoff spot. And that brings me to the New Orleans Pelicans and Zion Williamson. Um, you know, I'm not so sure when they're going to collect the uh, rookie of the year votes, but if it's going to be withheld until we see what transpires in Orlando, uh, yeah, I know people are going to say he didn't play enough games and all that, but here's a guy who can basically salvage his rookie season, which started late. He is He's healthy now from his injuries, and he can carry the Pelicans. The Pelicans are within uh, three and a half games of the eighth spot. So you can see this player who, you know, we all expected so much from when the season started. Obviously, you know, he was hurt and unable to uh, suit up. But here's a guy who can have a strong finish. And he can basically put his own stamp on what happens in, uh, what happens in Orlando if he can carry the to that eighth spot. And maybe they can strike some fear, at least in maybe a game or two, but first round upon which likely will be the Lakers. Shoe, what do you think? Player and team that benefit the most from this format? Well, first of all, I'm going to say that looking at the press release, they're calling these eight games that all these teams are coming back to play. They're calling them seeding games. Seeding games, yeah. So that language makes me think that consideration for awards like MVP and Rookie of the Year is over. Like that these don't, these are not quote-unquote regular season games and Mm -hmm. therefore hey let's get your votes in MVP and rookie of the year and all that stuff now maybe maybe I'm wrong but that's just a a, just was my initial interpretation from that um, language in the in the press release Mm -hmm. Um, as far as teams and players that have can benefit um, I mean I look at Philadelphia because going into the hiatus they were in rough shape um, not playing particularly well, and Bede had just got back from uh, his injury, and Simmons, Ben Simmons was dealing with a back injury that we didn't know. Um, you know, we didn't know how long that was going to keep him out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the word is that he's going to be healthy come you know July 31st, and that team has a high ceiling. Um, 
you know, as they're, they're sixth in the East, and but they have a chance to move up as, as high as fourth. Um, and I was looking at records in between in games played in between the 22 teams that were, are still alive. Um, the Sixers are a sort of mediocre 22 and 23 against those other 21 teams. They're 18 and two at home, four and 21 on the road. And those 18 wins at home, I mean, they've beaten some good, they've been, they've destroyed the Lakers at home. Um, so like I said, they have a high ceiling. That's a team that was going to have a rough path to the finals. Um, uh, if the season was normal, Mm -hmm. but and they're still going to have to get through uh, at least two of the sort of Miami, Boston, Toronto, Milwaukee group. But maybe those that group isn't as strong as as it would have been in a normal season, having coming back coming back from a, a four month absence. You know what I mean? Like maybe the the field is a little bit leveler because right. everybody's sort of dealing with these sort of issues. Um, and so I think Philadelphia is a team that can benefit from that just because they have uh, a really talented starting lineup. The fit has not been great with Al Horford, but I think they've learned that they're going to, I think they're going forward with him coming off the bench. And, and so we'll see how that works. I just, they just have a ton of talent and therefore could beat anybody on any given night. And so therefore I feel like they benefit, um, have the potential to benefit from, Mm -hmm. from everything that's gone on. Right. Um, Miami's a team that that was incorporating Andre Iguodala into their mix, you know, before before everything got halted. And I was thinking about teams and players who needed extra time to get comfortable or to come back healthier. And and then I realized whatever benefits you think they might have had, if you don't have a world class um, workout facility at your home these past months, I don't what. You know, I don't know, Mike, what would be the, the real benefit, even if you've had this downtime, maybe your body heals up, but you haven't been able to push yourself and train in a peak way like you would normally going into the playoffs where you have to ramp up the emotional, physical, and, and, and mental capacity to prepare yourself for that grind. So is there is there a real player or team that benefits even though everybody's been – Away from the facility like this? I think so. I actually think so. I mean, like, to me, you look at the teams that have that veteran cohesion, and you look at the teams that have dogs on the teams. I mean, let's just be real about it. I mean, like the Clippers, for instance. You know, you you got Kawhi, Pat Beverly, Paul George. And, you know, so, in like, the cohesion, maybe not – it might not be there right now, but you got some dogs. So, when when the ball goes up for tip-off, you know, you don't have to worry about those types of guys kind of easing into that in, into the competitive part of it. So, you know, to me, they they've got an advantage. You look at like the Lakers, same thing. Uh, Denver, uh, Utah, Toronto, Boston, Milwaukee. I mean, those teams that have a little bit of veteran presence. I think those are the ones that will benefit the most from this this format. And you know, because a lot of these teams, these younger teams, like Memphis, for instance, you know. They're 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 younger. They they don't have that playoff experience. So you know we all know that the 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 level of competitiveness yeah. just ramps up like maybe three times what it is in the regular season. Well, those guys are going to be sort of learning on the fly. Meanwhile, like I said, those veteran teams they're going to be ready to roll. And so to me, that that's the biggest advantage. All those teams with like some type of veteran presence to them, and you know. Out of the the top sixteen teams, most of those teams have that. Right. I thought about legacy too when, when I was thinking about the player that would have the most to gain from from the season being restarted. And you know, LeBron is obviously a guy everybody looks at as well. Of course, LeBron. You know, a chance to win another championship, potentially a chance to you know to snatch another MVP. But given the the clock the career clock and where guys are in their contract situations. I thought about the, what about the Bucks and Giannis and this yes. being a, a critical restart to a season for them. They got a, they got a ticking clock in terms of the time they know Giannis is on that roster to compete for a championship. This could be it when you think about it. For sure. Um, 
So, I mean, Shu, you mentioned, you know, the seeding games and whether or not that is an opportunity for somebody to continue to chase some of these individual awards that, that are out there or whether you have to have that component of your season done, like whether we have to, as voters, do you have to have that ready to go next week or July 1st or whatever, you know, I mean, we're going to find out the details. Um, what does the resumption of the regular season, or if it's not the resumption of the regular season and just those seeding games, how does this affect your ballot? I, my MVP ladder has not changed since March 11th. The order, the next time you see it, will be the same order it was when the game stopped. Um, does this change your mind and what goes on in Orlando potentially change your mind about who should be at the top of somebody's ballot shoe? And I'll start with you. Um, for the ones I've real, I've sort of had a conclusion on no, like MVP, mm-hmm. no rookie of the year. No. Now when the season was suspended, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo was hurt. Right. And the Lakers were yep. playing coming off wins off the, over the bucks and the Clippers. And so if things had, uh, you know, gone according to plan, then yes, I think the door would have opened for LeBron, although I think I had sort of closed it most of the way mm-hmm. um, in that regard. But I think it would have opened for other voters, I'm sure. Um, and so obviously the eight games is less than 16 or 17 games or whatever these teams had left. Um, Lakers had 19 games left. So that is – uh, that hurts any chance of LeBron unseating, uh, you know, Giannis in in the vote. So, yeah. and the same thing with Rookie of the Year, really. Um, you know, even if you know New Orleans gets into a play-in with Memphis or whatever and upset and upsets them, and even if these games count towards award voting, it's still a huge difference in the number of games and minutes that John ja Morant played versus the number of games and and. Uh, minutes that, that Zion Williamson will have played. So I don't think it affects I, – I, I think – like, now, for other awards, like, I haven't dug in deep to all defensive team and, and I hadn't made a conclusion about Defensive Player of the Year award. So, like, I, I, I guess I should do the research on that stuff before we get started again or, I don't, you know, who, who knows. We'll, we'll learn from NBA PR um, – you know, what's the deal with voting, uh, hopefully soon in the next uh, week or two. Um, and then, you know, we got to go from there. John, you, you mentioned Zion and, and he and John Morant obviously didn't get a chance to stage the kind of duel for rookie of the year because Zion missed so much time early. I don't even know if it's fair to, to, you know, to, to look at what he's done and assume that he's battling John Morant, as tightly as some people think for the award. I mean, it almost, in my mind, looking back at it, it's like, Josh should have this thing locked up. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just how I, I, I feel about it. I think a lot of people feel that way, uh, Sekou. Uh, I mean, the kid has played well, sturdy, showing leadership. It, you know, it's hard to come to a team, even a young team like Memphis, and all of a sudden, you know, you're the commanding voice in, in, in the huddle. You're the commanding voice on the floor. Uh, not that many players we've seen come straight from college and have that kind of presence. And this kid certainly has it in Memphis. So, yeah, I agree with you. I just think that all things being equal, at the pace that Zion was on, then we might be having a different discussion. Uh, as far as the MVP, you know, I agree with Shu. I mean, I, I thought when the, when the season was suspended, uh, I thought Giannis had pretty much had it locked up. But having said that, you know, LeBron was on a roll. He had that, those two big games over the Bucks and Clippers. Uh, and suppose he and the Lakers just kept rolling in the last uh, three or so weeks. There might have been an interesting conversation about that, particularly with Giannis being hurt. By the way, it would have been interesting in another sense because, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think the NBA has ever given the MVP to someone who was not the leading scorer on his own team. And yeah, we know, you know, LeBron does so many other things other than scoring, but I think that would have been a first. I would have to do some research on that, but that would have been something uh, interesting. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Sekou, with the, with the rookie award. 
uh, I think that that was pretty much all locked up. But I, but the only reason why I think that was locked up is because Zion just didn't have enough of uh, a chance to put together a more lengthy body of work. I think the much co- more competitive uh, thing to do, and Shu, you mentioned this, is all defensive team, you're all NBA team. Is there somebody on one of those eight teams that would have been considered that now his his body of work has to go to go to bed already, and somebody else has a chance to to you know to jump in the mix? Um, that's one thing I thought about. The other is, and we haven't mentioned them as a team, but what you know, what is it a team like Denver? You know, who was searching for kind of that right mix, that sweet spot with their season, and does a guy like Nikola Jokic get get a chance to? swing his way back into an all-NBA spot. You know, there are guys who, if they impress and depending on, as you said, you when they want these ballots in, um, some guys could get penalized because our last, you know, vision of what they were doing might not have been great. And they could get to Orlando and tear it up, and, and you don't get to use that as a part of the voting process. So it, it could be interesting. Um, I'm going to interrupt real quick and say yeah. Quickly, Steve Nash was definitely not the leading scorer on in on the Suns in his two uh, MVP uh, seasons. Uh, so I, I haven't looked at everybody else. But that was mm-hmm. the, when Sean brought that up. I, I had to. Uh, bring yeah, that's in a good a, question. A, I, I couldn't well, think. Of... Well, actually, Steve he wasn't even close on the, in the, right. his first MVP season. He he averaged fifteen and a half. And Amari should have been the leading. Yeah, he, yeah, he averaged twenty six. And then right. Sean, okay. Sean Marion was leading scorer the following year. But, I, think, right. I think Wes Unseld um, falls in that category, too. I think he yeah. was like fifth in scoring when he won MVP. Really? Wow. Shout yeah. out to, uh, to, to the Matrix. And certainly rest in peace to Wes Unseld. Uh, passed away earlier this week, man. Um, but uh, also, what you bring up Jokic. Like, I mean, Jokic is a guy who – do you have to wonder what kind of shape he's going to be in? Um, <laughs> no. Literally, uh, same thing with uh, – Doncic, who was a guy that, you know, who I think was in better shape this season than he was the previous season, but who knows going forward. We've seen pictures of James Harden, I guess, like. He really looks skinny. like a new dude, yeah. So yeah. that's one maybe we don't have to worry about. But, uh, and, and I think Houston in general is an interesting team just off of this hiatus in that they were sort of struggling at the end there with their small ball. Like people had sort of figured some things out. So maybe this gives them a reset as far as uh, playing with that lineup gives some uh, a chance for Mike D'Antoni to think about some stuff um, and how that lineup's going to work going forward. So I, I think that's a, a sort of an interesting team right there. And, it's, and if Harden is in the best shape of his life, well, that, that'll be pretty interesting too. I just, I just feel like it's all the, the reset itself in general. Everybody to me kind of starts with a fresh slate. Um, even though there's been enough – of a season put in already for them to establish themselves, you know, kind of a pecking order and a hierarchy. I do feel like this is a fresh start for everybody. Like, and it's based on how, how you spent the time during the shutdown. Like, did you do what James Harden was doing and and reshape your body? Or were you one of those cats like me who was, you know, you didn't necessarily (laughs) get out there and work out every day. Like you take a day off since we quarantined, you don't, you know what I mean? You don't know when we're coming back. Do you think, and, and I'll run this by you real quick before we get to our final topic, but do you think um, that the time between now and July 31st is going to be enough time for somebody who, who was eating, you know, uh, donuts here and there to get in the kind of shape they'll need to be in to compete at the highest level, if they're not? And I, and I ask you that first, Mike. Do you think that June, you know, the first week of June, to July 1st, to, and then to July 3rd. Is that enough time? Is that two months enough time to get in the elite type of shape you need to be in to compete at the highest level in the NBA? Well, obviously, you know that the best way to get in shape is to actually play games. Yeah. So that makes it a lot tougher for sure. But, you know, you've had, you know, or even if, if we're talking about from right now to when they actually pick the season back up, you've got mm-hmm. over a month. You've got a, over a month to get your body right. And, you know, like you guys were mentioning James Harden and, you know, we were talking about like just just uh, awards and how, you know, opinions might might change. Well, think about this, like James Harden, this is typically the time of year where he runs out of gas. And mm-hmm. so say he, you know, you, we, we've seen all the pictures or we've seen how hard he's been working or whatever. 
But say he comes back and, you know, he, he carries that team on his back. That changes the, the whole narrative. And then, you know, and then, like, same thing with, uh, like, John Moran and Zion Williamson. I, I remember what January 22nd. I remember this day. That was when Zion first came back. Mm-hmm. I saw that man score 17 points in three minutes in a row. <laughs> in a row. Right. And so, like, the, the opinions can change that fast, though, if we see those types of performances. So, you know, that's what makes all this stuff just really, really compelling to me. But I think that, you know, you've got over a month to get yourself back in shape. And these guys are elite athletes. I think that's plenty of time. And, but at the same time, you also have to recognize that the best way to get in game shape is to actually play games. Yeah, great point. Great point. Um, I, I do need to mention um, a shout-out to our the, the fifth uh, starter on the NBA.com crew, Steve Ashburner. Um, somebody had to work today. Um, somebody had to, <laughs> to bust it on this breaking news. So Ash is working, and that's why we didn't have him here on the podcast. He's got some other responsibilities we knew he had to dig in on, and we didn't want to bother him and, and ruin his day of bantering back and forth with us. But uh, certainly we'll get his opinions moving forward. And we're interested to see as, as we have this time between now and the, the information that comes out next week and then the actual start of teams getting back together. There's going to be a lot more to talk about. All the things we've mentioned here, a lot more compelling um, subplots and storylines to consider. I'm going to ask you guys uh, this, this one final question as, as we wrap up here. Um, and, and, I, and I mean this with all sincerity because people were asking me about it for the past few months. Every time I did a radio show or was on game time or did anything, this topic came up, and I, I kept dismissing it like it, it, it shouldn't be a factor. And now I'm, I'm wondering, as we get a plan to restart this season, does it change the way you're going to look at whoever wins the title? Like, will the champion for the 2019-2020 NBA season go down in your mind as, as something other than a regular champion based on all that's going on, the layoff, the coronavirus pandemic, I mean, all this stuff that's, that's going into this season, will that champion have an asterisk or not? Will it be legitimate to you or not? And, and I would argue that, that they've had more on their plate than a regular champion would, and that may be a benefit. So, Shu, I'm going to start with you. Um, does, does the champion for this season have an asterisk or not on their No, title? no, no, no. Every team's got to deal with the same – situation so mm-hmm. no absolutely not and like you said yeah it's, it's a rough situation and and but like you're gonna go through you know three months of of basketball that and and it's different basketball but it, it's not uh it's not i mean it's bad i mean it's the same th- every team's going through the same thing and i'll say the same thing like when you were talking about uh draft prep mm-hmm. and teams not being able to prep for the draft as they normally would well every team can't draft prep for the draft as well as norm as they normally could right. and so the same thing with the playoffs it's the same situation for every team uh there's no asterisk next to it there's no asterisk next to the spurs 99 title despite any uh, complaints from phil jackson um tim tim duncan is a is a five-time champion not a four-time champion plus something else <laughs> you know like Shaq disagrees with you by the way i heard I Shaq say, say something else i live in uh, san antonio man so they have to fight that stigma every day. Yeah. But I'm I agree with you. Not here. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, what do, you th- what do you think, Sean? Asterisk or no asterisk? Well, yeah, I'll give you my opinion, but I think, uh, I think it's going to be the consensus of the basketball world. Um, now, I could sit here and say, well, I'll tell you my opinion. I don't think there should be an asterisk because let's suppose, for example, that the champion is like the number one seed of Lakers or Bucks. Well, they didn't have the advantage of having home court. Yeah. Uh, as you saw from some teams in the past, you know, you play that game seven on your home court, <laughs> a little bit of extra. Well, but, you don't have uh, Metta World Peace and Power Gasol to save you sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <we watch> once. <laughs> but, but you know how fickle the basketball world is. Uh, how, you know, it, it, you know, we can say what we want to say, but, you know, now there's social media and everybody's going to chime in and say, you know, LeBron's fourth title is cheap, or, you know, or 
Giannis's first title, cheap, you know, or Kawhi really didn't win back-to-back titles with two different teams because that one's not legit. So you'll hear all that. Uh, But I think you'll hear it in the short term. I think in the long term, I don't. I, I think that asterisk, if it's even there, will have been, will have faded away. Okay, I'll say that, like, it, it, like, yeah, there is that idea that oh, there's always going to be hitting. Like, there's always going to be a negative, right? Like, I, yeah. I think I said this one when the Warriors won with Kevin Durant. It was like, well, you suck because you didn't win the championship, or you suck because you won the championship, but you weren't the Finals MVP, or you suck because you were the finals MVP, but you had to join a really good team to get it, right? Like, right. There's, a way to, there's a way to denounce no, anything, no matter what. So that's the way that, it is. Mike, that lockout season right. in San Antonio, there was, they, you mentioned it, that, that yeah. they, they lived that. Is it, what do you think? Is, does this change I, the, the glare this year? I got to play devil's advocate here, though. Mm-hmm. Like, what if, 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 say, you know, you get all the way down to the finals, and say one of the stars off one of those teams tests positive and you have to quarantine him. Yeah, you have to think about those kinds of things because that's the reality that we live in right now. And as Powell mentioned, the the basketball world is a fickle one. And you know, if say, you know, it's the it's the Lakers and the Bucks and say Giannis is out because of, you know, what I just mentioned, then you know, that cheapens that that cheapens LA's title. And then, you know, there's already going to be just that hate for LeBron anyway. That, right. You know, so that's, that's just something to kind of keep in mind when we look forward to, to what's about to transpire in Orlando. No doubt. And I agree with you. There is this, I think, in, more so in recent years than ever, um, there's always now this qualifier. Well, you want it, but this, 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 and this. I hate it. Well, they won, but they didn't have to go through this team and that team and this team throughout the course of the playoffs. Now, we say that about champions that we can remember in, say, the last four or five years. I don't remember ever saying that, and I I probably did at the time, but literally I don't remember what my gripe would have been 20 years ago when somebody was winning a championship, and I said, well, this point guard from this team was hurt, so therefore it cheapens a little bit the, the title run of this team. To me, you got to survive whatever circumstances you survive. And this season, the 2019-2020 NBA season, may have the greatest adversity for whoever wins it that we've ever seen. We've never had a season suspended in this manner for a non-basketball-related issue that will have forced a complete reset of the entire season before you get a chance to compete for a championship. Um, any final thoughts, guys? Anybody got anything they want to get off their chest now that we are officially going to have to shave, get haircuts, and potentially get back to work? Any, anything, <laughs> any, any last messages before we get back to the grind? Yes, yeah, Seku. I think that uh, the Lakers are going to keep LeBron James uh, sealed in a hyperbaric chamber. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're going to make sure that that guy doesn't, no one gets anywhere near that guy if he's not playing basketball because think of how catastrophic that would be if LeBron James tests positive, say, in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, that would just be – that, that would just be a, a punch to the gut. Um, yeah. I don't even want to think about it. But it, seriously, if there's ever a season where the un, unexpected could happen, it's got to be this one. So, I mean – Buckley Seabill. I know we know something unforeseen is going to impact this restart. It's inevitable. Um, I don't. I don't even know what the plan is in terms of, you know, who might be heading to Orlando. I mean, it's, there's. I would imagine everybody has to be tested before they let you show up and be a part of the restart, right? And that includes us. That includes the media and, and people covering. Yeah, agreed. I mean. Yeah. I think yeah, another, I'll be curious. Another, I'll be I'll curious ahead. about the 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 you know the extent of the team groups. You know, yeah. like yeah. and is and and is a does a general manager need to be there? You know, um, and and 
do they want to be there? Do they sacrifice themselves just for the sake of, of general health? You know, that's, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit fascinated by that whole, that whole question. Yeah. I'm fascinated by the aspect of the, just the medical teams yeah. for these specific, you know, teams, because I think that even plays into it, you know, which medical staffs are the best, which ones, you Great know, point. have the most technology and which ones are the most knowledgeable about how to, you know, kind of prevent, you know, COVID-19 and things like that. Like that comes into play too. Yeah. I think, I think we, we hadn't talked about them, but I think about a team like Toronto, how beneficial is it that you are coming off of the last championship run? The other team that was in that, that made it to the finals last year is not even in the, the 22 team mix. So, you know, does Toronto go into this with a, with a different sort of advantage based on being the most recent champion and not having that other team they competed with around to, uh, to exercise whatever advantage they might've had. Just a lot of, a lot of fascinating moving parts, fellas. Um, John Schumann, Sean Powell, Michael C. Wright from NBA.com joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast this week. I wish we did this all the time, but I know nobody has got that much time in their week to work with. Uh, but it's great to hear from all you guys. Um, we're going to get back to the, to the grind here, and it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing power rankings. Um, I want to know what's going on in Houston and San Antonio. Sean, you've been on, on Lakers grind forever, so, you know – We'll see you again whenever LeBron lets you come up for air. But I appreciate you guys <laughs> taking some time um, and, and coming on the podcast this week because I think there's a lot of questions we, we discussed that fans are going to be talking about, everybody's going to be talking about through this weekend and going to the next week as we figure out whatever the next steps are and get that information from the league and, and, and the Players Association where, you know, this had to be something that both sides were ready to roll with. So it, it'll be interesting to see where we finish up as we head towards July and that July 31st start to the NBA season, guys. Appreciate you. Thank you, man. All righty. Yep. No doubt. All right. We appreciate you guys. And listen, thank you for rocking with us as always. Um, with no more of these ghost podcasts. Uh, we're back to the business of basketball as, as best we can moving forward. For my producer, Anthony Bonaparte, for everybody else here at NBA.com, NBA TV, NBA Digital, we appreciate you. We'll see you next time. One is done, but in case you want another one, here's the link to all the fun from Seku Smith's Hangtime Run. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, NBA.com slash Hangtime, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, Hoops fans. <laughs>